We read together from Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So as Dave said, today we're going to be talking about growing through serving. But I'm going to say right up front, you don't grow through your serving. It sounds wrong, doesn't it, to say that? You don't grow through your serving. It sounds counterintuitive because in most of life we do grow through giving things a go. So my first few weeks as a pharmacist after uni, I grew pretty quickly actually, a month working as a pharmacist on the job was uh, much more effective than four years of study, more, more than many textbooks reading. Like for example, in my first couple of weeks, I got handed a script and a medicine to check before it got handed to the patient and I signed off on it. But then as I was talking to the patient, I knew that something wasn't quite right and I asked for the medicine back and realised that my assistant had misread the doctor's handwriting. She'd thought that he'd written thyroxin, 100 micrograms, a thyroid hormone with some pretty potent, powerful effects. But what the doctor had actually written was thiamine, 100 milligrams, which is also known as vitamin B1. Something quite different. Now, the embarrassment of taking that back and, and realising what could have happened had the patient taken the wrong thing. See, that grew me as a pharmacist more than many, many textbooks, and I was very careful to never let that happen again. In so much of life, we grow by giving things a go. So shouldn't we expect that we'll grow through giving serving a go, through serving at church? Well, I'm saying no. We might grow in our ability, in our skills to do things, but spiritually, it's not your serving that grows you, at least 
not automatically. Serving doesn't lead to automatically lead to spiritual growth. But I reckon we make this mistake in our thinking pretty often. There's actually a, a study that's been done of over a thousand churches uh, with lots of people in those churches. It's quite a huge study. And one of the things that this study showed is that there's often a large segment in pretty much every church where you have a lot of people busy, busy serving in those churches but who nonetheless feel like they've stalled in their spiritual growth. Maybe you feel like that. Do you feel like you're doing lots and lots but you're not growing lots? Not spiritually. Now the problem's not with serving. The problem is actually with how we approach serving. And so today, really, we're talking about how we can approach serving in a way that helps us to actually keep growing spiritually. See, serving's a bit like a gym. Unfortunately, just turning up at a gym doesn't grow you physically. Now, you can go to the gym for a lot of reasons. You know, you can go there because you work behind the counter. You can go there to pick up kids from indoor soccer. You can even go to the gym to visit the cafe and eat cheesecake and drink hot chocolate. It's not going to the gym that, that makes you fit and strong physically. It's what you do when you're there. It's how you approach going to the gym. Serving's like that. On its own, it won't grow you spiritually. Serving in a role, it it might grow you in your ability to do something, your skills, but it won't necessarily grow you spiritually. It can be a great tool for spiritual growth, but if serving's going to do that, then there's something that's got to be in place first. What we need to have in place first is we need to take ownership of our own spiritual growth. If you want to grow spiritually, you've got to realize that before God, you bear responsibility for your own growth. If I want to grow spiritually, I've got to realize that I need to take ownership for my own growth. We can't look to others or blame others. Others are important, as we're going to see in a minute. But until we take ownership of our own spiritual maturity before God, no matter how much we serve others, or no matter how much they serve us, it won't help us grow spiritually. Look at what Paul says to Timothy in his letter to him in 1 Timothy chapter 4. He writes, If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister, a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales, Rather, train yourself to be godly. Paul says here, if Timothy's going to serve God's people well, serve the church well, he's got to have a high ownership of his own spiritual growth. He's got to train himself to be godly. He goes on, Paul goes on to say in verse 8, physical trainings of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life, and the life to come. Paul says to Timothy that the only way he'll be able to effectively serve the church is if he's committed to his own spiritual growth. And this has got to come first. Look at how he he puts it just a few verses later in 15. 
He writes, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is a big deal. For Timothy to serve effectively, he needs to be committed to his own spiritual progress. He needs to take responsibility before God for his own spiritual growth. Now, it's important that we serve each other, but even more important is that we take responsibility before God for our own spiritual growth. And we need to be careful not to deceive ourselves about where we're really at with God. And if we're not careful... Serving can actually be dangerous for us because we could let our serving become a substitute for our personal relationship with God. See, how would you feel if someone said to you, I don't really like talking to my wife or spending time with her, so what I do instead is I take care of the washing and I do the washing up and that's probably more important for a relationship anyway. How would you feel if, if, you, if you met someone like that? I, I'd be pretty worried because that's a marriage that's in a serious trouble because that's not how relationships work. Even something good like serving someone, it cannot be a substitute for really knowing them. But aren't we prone to do this with God? When I was at uni, I, I served a lot. So I was the student president of the, uh, the Christian group on campus for a couple of years and we had a church that met right on campus and I was involved with that. Pretty much most days I was doing something for the Christian group or for church. I was playing in the band, leading services, leading and hosting a community group in my house, running courses at midweek meetings, I was preaching occasionally. I even led Sunday school in town and, and then scripture in the schools during the week. And I never felt burnt out. I loved serving, mostly because it meant I wasn't studying. It was excellent. And I was young. I had heaps of energy. But when I finished uni and and, and started working as a pharmacist, I had to move towns, and so I had to move churches. And in this new church, they said, don't serve for six months. Just get to know us. So I went from being heavily involved in all sorts of things to doing nothing. And do you know how I felt? Empty. Spiritually dry. I felt distant to God. And I realized that year, despite all the ways that I'd been serving, I hadn't taken responsibility for my relationship with God. I'd confused doing with knowing God. I was acting like what really mattered was what I did for God rather than growing in my appreciation for what God had done for me and who he is. And I found that a really hard year, a year where I felt spiritually dry. But you know what? That was a great year for me spiritually because it was probably the first year where I took responsibility for my own spiritual growth. Now, don't hear me wrong. By taking responsibility, I don't mean that we somehow grow ourselves spiritually. That's just not possible. Naturally, we are actually spiritually dead. What I mean by taking responsibility is we look to Jesus for our spiritual growth and we look to him alone. No one else can do that for us. 
we have to take responsibility to do that for ourselves. God has done everything already for us spiritually. Jesus' death and his resurrection, it, it makes us spiritually alive. The Holy Spirit unites us to the work that Jesus has done. The Holy Spirit, he lives within us and breathes life into us already. Our relationship with God is real and it's not based on whether we feel spiritually alive or spiritually dry. But nonetheless, we're still called to take responsibility to enjoy this relationship, to live it out. That's actually our purpose in life, our meaning. It's our responsibility to delight in God. It's our responsibility to follow the Holy Spirit's lead so that our entire lives are enriched and defined by our relationship with Jesus more and more as we grow in that. No one but you can take responsibility for that for you. And nothing else can be a substitute for that. Not even serving God. So can I ask you, have you taken responsibility to to delight in your relationship with God? Because no amount of serving will help you grow spiritually until you do. And in fact, serving could actually be dangerous for you if you use it as a substitute for that. We don't have time today to look into details about what it actually looks like to take responsibility for your own spiritual growth. But very briefly, it expresses itself in a lot of ways. You know, it it leads us to read God's word daily, not in a duty-bound kind of way, but in a relational way, reflecting on what God has to say because we long to hear his voice. It drives us to to pray to God constantly in all of life, to to speak to him uh, and to listen to him carefully. It, It leads us to build fluency in these things because these are the ways that we express and grow in our relationship with God. But just before we move on from this, can I challenge you today? If you've never taken responsibility for your own spiritual growth or if you've dropped the ball on this, admit that to God today. When you get home, admit to him that, that you've, you've not been taking responsibility for your relationship with him. And then here's the hard bit. Admit it to someone else. And then take the steps to slowly help build your delight in God. Okay, so what happens when we take responsibility for our relationship with God and we grow spiritually? by looking to Jesus? Well, inevitably what happens is that it leads us to want to serve God and serve others. You know, last week we saw this, that in view of God's mercy, the logical response to God's mercy shown to us in Jesus is is to actually serve, to want to serve. And if we approach serving right, it can actually help us in our spiritual growth. But what we need to see is that first and foremost, serving is actually about the spiritual growth of others. Serving should first be about others' spiritual growth. It feels a bit like a paradox. You know, we need to take responsibility for our own spiritual growth before God, and yet God grows us spiritually by giving us each other. But it's not a paradox. The two actually go hand in hand. When it comes to Growing spiritually, no one is an island. We, we need each other. And that's what we saw powerfully before in Ephesians 
which Bethany just read for us. In that passage, did you notice it's Jesus who causes our spiritual growth, but did you see how he does it? Look at Ephesians 4 verse 11 again. We read, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Jesus gives us leaders like pastors and teachers who bring God's word to us. But they don't grow everyone in spiritual maturity. Can you see that? I'm not growing you now in spiritual maturity, or at least that shouldn't be my main aim. I should be equipping you for works of service so that we all can grow each other in spiritual maturity. Putting it a different way, who are the ministers in this church? Well, according to this passage, we all are. We're all to minister to each other so that we all grow spiritually. Serving, first and foremost, is about the spiritual growth of others. And if we refuse to serve each other, then actually our spiritual growth as a church is going to be stunted. Look at what's at stake in verse 14. If we serve, then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. If we don't serve, we actually stay spiritually vulnerable. And that could be devastating for us. So instead, in verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. We're to serve each other by helping each other be more connected to Jesus, our head, our Lord and Savior. And we do that, here it says, by speaking the truth in love to each other. And if we won't do that, if we won't speak the truth in love to each other, then we won't grow spiritually. So obviously, it's really important that we do this, that we serve each other like this. But think about the many, many ways that people serve us here at church. Are we actually doing this? Does it it work that way? You know, think about the different roles we have from logistics to AV, to children's ministry, to ushering, to the coffee cart. You know, what is what have these kind of things got to do with growing each other spiritually? What have they got to do with speaking the truth in love? It's kind of easy enough to see how Trinity Kids, you know, a Trinity Kids leader can do that. But what about someone on logistics? How are they doing that? Or what does speaking the truth in love look like when you're on the coffee cart? I really think you shouldn't have four sugars. (laughs) I mean, is it possible that we've got all these serving roles as a church, but they're just not growing us spiritually? Now, the answer to this is all about how we approach them. Like if a gym is going to grow you physically, you've got to approach it in a certain way. In the same way, if serving... If a serving role is going to grow ourselves and others spiritually, then we've got to approach it in a certain way. And this is where I want to talk to us about how to approach serving at church in a way that actually will lead to your spiritual growth 
and to the spiritual growth of those around you. And here's the first thing. Serving that leads to spiritual growth, yours and others, it knows the purpose you are working toward. You need to have a clear direction as to what you're trying to achieve and how that actually fits into the bigger picture. The other week I said that we've always actually got two hats on in, in whatever serving role we're doing. And I said mission should always be one of those hats that, that we wear when we're serving because it's the era we live in. But usually there's, there's another hat too. And if we're going to serve effectively, then, then we actually need to figure out what that other hat is. Our, our, our big picture goal is to grow in our connection to Jesus, our, our head, our Lord and our Saviour. That, that's our big picture goal for all of us. And so we need to think through, how is this way that I'm serving contributing to that? And that means not just knowing the purpose of our service, but then we need to let that purpose govern what we do, why we do it, and how we do it. Have you noticed over these last couple of years as a church, we've tried more and more to be clearer on the purpose of of why you serve in the area you serve in? It's because if you do something simply out of duty or to pull your weight or even just to be nice, that probably won't grow you spiritually or help others grow spiritually. But when you know why you're doing what you're doing and how God can use that to build up his people to become more like Jesus, it helps you do it better, more cheerfully, more sacrificially, more prayerfully, more spiritually. Let me give you some examples. How should those who serve in AV, audiovisual, on the sound and that sort of thing, how should they think about what they're doing? You know, like the rest of us, they've got the mission hat on. But what's their other hat? Well, their other hat is magnification. They help our hearts be moved to praise God by, by everything that happens up here on this stage. And if they don't do what they're doing and do it well, then if you think about it, it's almost pointless the rest of us turning up and taking a seat. We may as well just jump straight to morning tea. If you can't hear the singing, you can't hear the praying, you can't hear the Bible being read, if you can't hear the sermon, then we're wasting a massive opportunity to be equipped and to be built, to be built up. And any work that I've done on this sermon or any sermon would be a complete waste of time without the AV men and women. And so someone who's serving on AV needs to know the purpose of why they're serving. Not only so that they can work toward this purpose themselves, but so that they can pray towards this purpose too. So that they can give their hearts to this purpose and and thank God when they actually see this purpose being fulfilled through what they're doing. You know, of course, with AV, that the better they do their job, the more unnoticed they go. You don't get thanked for doing an excellent job on AV. You only get noticed when something goes wrong. Now, keeping their eye on the purpose helps them do their job because it helps them when it's hard at 8.30 a.m. or earlier when they're here setting up. It helps them when it's thankless or it helps them when things do go wrong and it's awkward. And it helps them at 12 noon when they're still packing up. 
It helps them know that their work for God is not wasted. They're playing a critical part in helping all of us praise God with our, from our hearts, growing in our relationship with Him. Now that's huge. Let me give you another example. I talked about morning tea the other week and how it had the mission hat on. Well, let me tell you about the other hat that morning tea people are wearing. See, we don't just serve each other by speaking the truth in love in formal ways as a church. Actually, most of of speaking the truth in love happens in informal ways. And morning tea enables all of us to stick around afterwards and, and have every opportunity to speak the truth in love to each other so that we can all grow spiritually. Morning tea people, they serve us wonderfully. And we honour their service when we actually stick around and invest each other, invest in each other, looking to serve each other by speaking the truth in love. The truth is, sometimes we need to point out to each other where we're being tossed back and forth by the waves of this world, where we're drifting away from, from God and, and drifting toward living for other things like money or work, drifting towards being worldly. And you don't do that effectively by walking up to someone that you barely know and quoting a Bible verse at them. You know, to effectively speak the truth in love to each other, it takes time and it takes getting to know each other. It takes loving and listening and then speaking. Morning tea is, is, is an example of that informal time that, that allows us to get closer to each other. So make the most of the morning tea time. So talk sport. And talk weather and talk family, because these are the kind of things that, that help us get closer to each other. But don't stop there. Over the weeks and months and years, go deeper. Talk the things of the heart. Desires and hopes and dreams and struggles and temptations. Why not make it your aim to go one step deeper with just one person each week? Why not make it your aim to to have one conversation where you touch on something from God's Word with at least one person a week. Those who serve in morning tea, they're they're pouring out their time and their energy so that you can serve your brothers and sisters in these kinds of ways. They're praying that that that's that's what will happen as they're preparing morning tea and as they're putting it out for us and as they're packing it up. That's their heart for us. That's how they serve us. Now, in every role where where you serve, you need to do this. You need to think through, what are the hats that I'm wearing? That's why every serving role in our church now has a role description that Noel has helped prepare for us. And these help us figure that out. What's the hats that I'm wearing? One will always be mission, but what's the other hat? So wherever you're serving, why don't you, you get your hand on one of these role descriptions for your role so that you can think through what, how what you're doing ties into what Jesus is doing. Serving that leads to spiritual growth. It, it knows the purpose that you're working towards. That's number one. Number two, serving that leads to spiritual growth, so yours and other people's, it allows those you are serving alongside to serve you and vice versa. See, if we're to grow spiritually as we serve, then we need to give ourselves to those we're serving alongside. The other week, I said something in the sermon about serving on the roster. And the next day at staff meeting, I got in trouble. 
it was the nicest sort of getting in trouble possible. But one of the other staff members reminded me that we want to avoid talking about rosters. And they were spot on. I was very thankful they pointed it out. Because when you think about a roster, what does it imply? It implies that you're an island. It makes it sound like you turn up as an individual and you do your thing. And there might be others there, but that's not so important. But that kind of thinking actually undermines our spiritual growth, you know. As a church, we're trying to move away from having rosters because we want to embrace teams. Because spiritual growth happens as you serve others and as they serve you. And a lot of that actually happens as you serve alongside other people as a team. We're not just serving together. We're also serving each other. So if I'm on ushering and I, I simply turn up as an individual, I won't be that effective. But when I do it with a team approach, what happens? Well, the team reminds each other of why we're doing what we're doing. And we encourage each other when it's hard. And we pray for each other that God would use us in it. And then on top of all of that, we care for each other. We talk about what's been good in the week that's just gone by, what's been hard in the week. And in those conversations, what inevitably happens? Well, we end up speaking the truth in love to each other, pointing each other to Jesus. So let me give you an example of this. You could turn up and do logistics, set up all the chairs and all the million other things that get set up here. You could, you could turn up and do that alongside others, but not really serve each other. But for some logistic teams, they've discovered that a way that they can serve each other is to get the job done, and then afterwards to go and grab a coffee at TTP together. How great is that? That's, that's one way that you can do this kind of thing. Do you know where pastoral care happens in this church? The main place that happens is, is in our community groups. So you, you might have heard us say, serve many people in a few ways. So that's serve in a team at church, serving many people in a few ways. But serve a few people in many ways. That's community groups. Serve in your community group by praying together, looking out for each other, sharing life together. But actually as a church, we want two bites of the cherry. So your community group is meant to be a place for close, caring relationships, but we want the team where you serve to be a, a place of close, caring relationships too. You see, the reality is that none of us can effectively speak the truth in love to 200 people. We just can't do it. I can't do it. And it's, it's my job full time to care for you guys. I heard this week on the radio that apparently you need to spend 140 hours with someone before you feel close to them, before you make a friend. 140 hours. I did a bit of maths, and that means it would take you eight years straight, every waking moment, spending it with everyone here to, be able to, have, to actually be able to be a real friend and be close with everyone here. Eight years straight. That's enormous. And of course, you can't kind of maintain that number of friendships, that, that degree of closeness. The truth is, the more time we spend with people, the better we know them, 
the better we'll be placed to actually speak the truth in love to them. We need each other to grow in spiritual maturity. That's what Jesus tells us. That's what God's word tells us. We need each other to grow in spiritual maturity, which means we need to be close to each other. But we don't need to be close to everyone here. What we need is everyone here to be close to some people if we're going to grow in spiritual maturity. Which is why we encourage you to invest in your community group and in the team where you serve. And the truth is, you've got to be really deliberate about this. 140 hours is a long time. If you spend two hours a week with your community group, well, that's two years before you've got to 140 hours. And I don't think it works so well in a big group setting. You've you've got to spend individual time outside of that as well. And what this means is that we've got to faithfully give ourselves to some people if we're going to serve them effectively. And if we're going to grow spiritually as a church, then we each need to have a small handful of people that we know and love and can speak the truth to. You know, as a minister, I I feel quite powerless in this quite often. Because I'll I'll meet with someone and I can give them an hour or so here or there. And I reckon in that hour I can fairly effectively point them to Jesus and remind them of, of, of the grace of the gospel of unconditional love and forgiveness and what God has done for us in Jesus at the cross. And sometimes I can even, in those conversations, help them figure out where they're going wrong in their heart and, and, and what's sort of uh, a bit of a block in their lives. But so what? That's next to useless unless they, number one, take responsibility for their own walk with Jesus. And number two, it's next to useless unless three or four of you go on speaking the truth in love to their hearts. Who's going to have the 10th and the 20th conversation about forgiveness, about unconditional love, about turning away from sin and about trusting in Jesus? It can't be me. And yet when I talk to so many of you and and men especially, what do I keep finding? You don't have those three or four friends. And some of us don't even have the one friend. That's got to change. We need to give, each other, give ourselves to each other if we're going to grow spiritually. Listen to just a few of the, the one another passages of Scripture. Build trust with one another. Encourage one another. Strengthen one another. Love one another. Carry one another's burdens. Commit to one another. Be compassionate toward one another. Confess to one another. Be interested in one another. Where's this actually going to happen effectively? Well, we want to say that it should at least happen in community groups as a church, but also a key place where this happens is in those teams where we serve. And when that happens, we all grow spiritually together. And so can I ask you, how are you going to start investing in those 140 hours? It doesn't happen by accident. Serving that leads to spiritual growth actually allows those you are serving alongside to serve you and vice versa. Finally, and very briefly, serving that leads to spiritual growth, yours and others, it depends on God. We need to depend on God in the way that we serve. 
And this means that we should be seeking direction in his word for where we're serving. How should we serve in a way that honors him? And we need to be praying and asking God to act through our service. It also means that we should make use of of the means for growth which God provides for us. Like people who equip and train us with God's word. And also just the wider church, allowing the wider church to build us up because God gives us each other to grow each other spiritually. Serving that leads to spiritual growth depends on God. In that video that we had before where we've got lots of people from church giving thanks, I said in that video that the thing that I'm thankful for is actually the way that you all serve each other. You know, this place, this, this church, when you stop and think about it, it's, it's amazing. And it makes me so thankful to God. It would actually be impossible for me to list out all the ways that you serve each other. And I only really hear things by accident. People don't come and tell me all about it. And yet even though I only hear by accident, I'm still overwhelmed by what I hear. Just this month, I've heard about people mowing each other's lawns. I've heard of meals being cooked for each other. People helping other people move houses, packing up, cleaning. I've heard of people visiting others in hospital multiple times, even people coordinating others to visit people in hospital. I've heard of people reading the Bible with each other, praying with and for each other, driving people around. The way that you guys serve each other in this community is is beautiful and it's amazing. And yet, we can keep growing in this. And we must keep growing in this. We need to keep walking in the footsteps of Jesus, our servant king, who gave his life for us and goes on giving his all for us. Let's each take responsibility for ourselves to keep looking to him for our own spiritual growth. And let's keep serving each other, knowing the purpose of our serving, what we're, what we're doing, how it fits into what Jesus is doing. Allowing those alongside us to truly serve us and truly serving them by knowing a handful of people really well. And let's do it depending on God in everything. When we approach serving like this, we really can grow spiritually through it. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Jesus, that he is our head, our Lord and our Saviour. And that when we look to him, when we fix our eyes on him and take responsibility to put our faith in him, that that is actually you working in us, your Holy Spirit prompting us, you growing us and connecting us to the only means by which we can grow spiritually, Jesus Christ, who served us by laying down his life to take us from spiritual death into complete spiritual life. Lord, we are astounded by Jesus. We thank you for him. And we pray that you would help us to follow in his footsteps, to be a church that loves each other deeply and truly and serves each other. And through this service, grow. we pray that you would use us to grow each other spiritually as we ourselves grow. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We serve God, we've seen these last three weeks, because he first served us. Jesus is the the great servant king who served us by going to the cross for us, 
who stoops so low that in this next song we sing he's the man of sorrows. That's what he was willing to take on. The man of sorrows who on the rugged cross poured out his love over us. And he calls us to follow in his footsteps and to serve like him. Let's stand and sing man of sorrows.